Hey, hey, this is the Speed Metal Cycling Podcast. Cycling podcast for Thursday, August 21st, 2014. I know we just recorded and we just had an episode, but we want to talk about the World of España, so we're back. I am, of course, your host, Dan Skull Crusher, intro and outro music today, once again, by Ailstorm, the kings of pirate metal, because I love them and I love the new record, so that's why. Uh, today's episode is going to be a little weird. Uh, we have conflicting schedules and busy lives and stuff. So what we're going to try to do is let's hope that this works and it's not completely weird. But we're recording half of the episode right now and then the other half of the episode tomorrow. So the half of the episode today is going to be with Klaus, the a famed cycling journalist of Cycling Inquisition fame. And then on the second half of the show or the second half of the episode... I uh, will be recording with Mike from Gage in the Soto slash Rafa. So I have here now with me Klaus. Klaus, how are you doing? I'm doing better than Mike. Of course you are. And well, I, yes. I can no, tell I'm you sure, that... I'm sure he's doing way better than me right now because what's keeping him busy sounds cool, but... Okay, yeah, I'll try to remember to ask Mike what was going on tonight. That was so important that he couldn't join us, but I can't promise that I will, especially because... As, as listeners are listening to this, it's going to be like a 20-minute difference between one and the other. For me, it's going to be like 24 hours, so who knows what I'll forget and stuff. Mike did suggest that we do this uh, first half of the show in Spanish, just you and I. ¿Vale la pena que lo tratemos o no? No, hombre, porque entonces nadie entiende. No, no, no. ¿Esperaban pues, no. a atender los colombianos? <laughs> los tres los colombianos. Los que escuchan, no. Bueno, saludos a los tres colombianos que escuchan. All right, so fine. So we're going to do it in English then. Check out our side blog, episode show notes receptacle, uh, speed cycling, uh, speedmetalcycling.com, and the name the cyclist project is there, and Twitter links and Instagram and Tumblr and all that other stuff. Speed Are you still looking for a, a native French speaker? Yes. Yeah, listeners, surely you know someone. Somebody, you, the right? High school you would think. I, I have a friend who is a native French speaker, but he's refusing to do it. He refuses. He flat out refused twice I asked him. He said, no, his voice sounds stupid is what he said. No, see, I mean, I know. Which I heard multiple people say that, by the way. People are like, I don't want to do it. My voice sounds stupid. My voice sounds stupid. And here I am. I think I know someone and I could 
kind of ask, but it would be a stretch. But also, he's he's French Canadian, which oh no, is maybe neither here nor there. But I mean, I think we're looking for ideally a, a French French speaker. Yes, I want a real French speaker. Hopefully, somebody with a, with a neutral accent. So, but I mean, you know, you can always drink. Not that we would know the difference anyway. Yeah, I don't think we would know the difference. Hey, the Spino cycling kits were delivered, and I rode with mine on the other day. We went out on a ride with you, Klaus, and yeah. it was it was awesome. I felt like my butt felt perfect afterwards. You, you looked like a million bucks. I did. I got hit on by plenty of ladies, but it's, my, it was it was kind of weird and embarrassing to see all the female construction workers whistling at you. But I I've never even seen that happen. I didn't know that could happen. Afterwards, though, I thought maybe they were whistling at you, and I just thought it was me. No, no, no. Um, all right, but no, amazing, awesome kits, and thank you very much for the ninety seventh time to the guys at Starlight. But if and when you get yours, take some photos and send them my way. I want to have a little gallery on the website. All right. Before I was waiting for you to come on the on the Skype, Klaus. Yeah, uh, I was reading uh, some Formula One news. There's this kid, Max Verstappen, who's the son of uh, Jan Ver- Jas Verstappen, or Jos Verstappen from back in the day, whatever. Uh-huh. He's going to become the youngest Formula One driver in F1 next season. He just signed to Team Toro Rosso. How old? 16 years old. He's not a test driver. Like, he's the real, real He will guy. be the driver. Yes, he's not a test driver, not a second driver, not a third driver. He will be the main driver for Toro Rosso. 16 years old. Good lord. Dude, at 16, I could barely use a clutch. So he just got his real driver's license. I wonder if he even has one. He's Dutch, so... Maybe not. Maybe not. Isn't that nuts? 16 years old. Well, Taylor Finney was riding for that one development team. At 16? When he was, like, 19. Yeah, but I was riding my bicycle when I was... I learned how to ride my bike when I was like five or six. This kid, Verstappen, was racing competitive karting already at age five. See, I learned how to ride my bike very, very late in life. Very late. Embarrassingly late. Because I was ashamed of... This is the kind of circular logic that I get involved with in my life. And it's, wait, hold on, hold on. Before you go into it. Yeah, yeah. I think you should say this is the kind of circular logic that you've been getting yourself into your head since you were five years old. Oh, yeah. You still haven't changed. I hate not knowing how to do something, and I hate the process of learning something, and I hate the process of being seen while learning to do something. I think that's the one that you really hate. Yeah, like I didn't want to learn how to drive. I learned how to drive when I was 18, which may not sound like much, but when you're 16 and then 17, it's eternal. Exactly, and and the reason, but you're very good at learning how to do things on your own. I mean, you you've you you've taught yourself how to do a lot of things, but it, as long as nobody's looking at you while you do it, you only come out to the surface once you know how to do it. And it's like, hey, what's going on, guys? I know how yeah. to play the fiddle. <laughs> but yeah, learning a bike took a while. Yeah, I, so, I guess. Long story short, this is not the podcast where we finally talk about how I'm going to Formula One. Yes, exactly. Sorry, everybody. Even People in are... my old age, I still can't drive a car well enough. Yeah, definitely. Damn it. definitely not. No, 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 you cannot. Well, anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there. It's just incredible, this kid. And I saw an interview with him, and of course, as you would expect, he sounds like a 
full-grown man talking about sponsorship and sure whatever and jesus lord i mean i guess all those guys start pretty young i know yeah, like montoya i mean all those guys are driving cart at a young age but to be at that level exactly i mean there's a whole bunch of like 16 17 18 year olds uh racing right now in like the lower formulas absolutely but yeah. this kid i mean and that's that's actually a red bull i have to tip my hat off i mean i have serious issues with the, with the company in general but they're the ones that are funding the the, the developmental team that this kid has come through uh, come up through and i mean it's just unbelievable anyway um uh, cycling um ladies cycling actually the ladies tour of norway finished with anna van der bregen winning her marianne voss was second and katri Kat, katrisna katrisna Kat, katusha Katr, no Katrina, Katrina, there's a Z in there. Katrina, Nievia Doma was third. Yay! Uh, and then back to the men, Tour de Line, uh, Bertian Lindemann won it, Romain Bardet was second, and Daniel Martin was third. Look at that, Daniel Martin in good form for the Vuelta. Uh, oh, ladies. I, I, I mentioned this in um, in a post on my blog recently, but the Specialized slash Lululemon team is losing their sponsorship for next year, both Specialized and Lululemon, and they are looking for fans to uh, to maybe be able to actually support the team uh, next year with 100% fan support and stuff. So uh, go to speedmetalcycling.com. The, the, the post is still there. You can find a link to go see how you can get involved. So uh, that shows that cycling is more or less at the same level as that idea your uncle had about a new uh, suitcase that everyone should support or a new invention, like a new bike lock. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so sad, but at the same time, it's a great opportunity to show potential sponsors, hey, look, Cycling fans are active and they're willing to put their money where their mouth is or where their heart is. So I think it's a good opportunity, even if they don't end up racing. I think they're looking for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is it blew my mind that a team, a, a women's team. Although I mean, of course, it's like a ridiculously good team, but um, that it would take that much money. But uh, even if they don't make it up, you know, to that point, I think that. Uh, potential sponsors can be keeping an eye on this and being like, oh, look at all these people that are, you know, so we can kick in a hundred thousand dollars and then we'll be part of this, you know, uh, you know, I mean, they're like, hey, new, I came new, up yeah. with an idea. What? There could be a Paul Kimmage legal fund cycling team. <laughs> well, first, what you mean to collect more money in order to fund the team or to oh. use the money that has already been collected? Yeah, like maybe use up that money. Oh, well, at first they would have to find the money. Oh, yeah. That's Damn it, right. there's always a fault there's in my plan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was going perfectly until you reminded me that that's the very issue with that okay. money is that no one knows no, where it is right. or where that guy is. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway. All right, Vuelta Burgos. Uh, Nairo Quintana, Danny Moreno, Yanis Varaikovic, and Nairo Quintana looked pretty good. Yes. So hopefully he's uh, going to carry this form into the Vuelta. I'm sure that's the plan. And uh, if if he continues to go this well, I really don't see how Valverde can possibly 
take the team from him, right? I mean, he looks pretty good. He looks strong. The team looked to work yeah. well around him. So, yeah, but the problem, though, is that Danny Moreno looked really good as well. Yanis Brajkovic looked really well as well. And even Mikel Landa. Look, all those guys are going to the Vuelta, so... I mean, I have to say, uh, perhaps it, that um, kind of the queen stage, uh, maybe the climb wasn't steep enough that it didn't look like it was all that taxing. But then you realize Quintana just, like, sped by everyone. Well, yeah, I, I mean, and if anybody saw the, the, the stage, and if you haven't, you should download it. It's actually very tactical. I mean, there was people, there was a couple of attacks that, Quintana just didn't follow, and I mean Sergio Pardilla. I thought he was going to take off, and then he did, and like so it's everyone anyway. He waited. Quintana waited and waited and waited, and and eventually he just went for it. And uh, yeah, I mean it really, really did look like he was on a motorcycle, at least in a moped, passing. Yeah, and that's why I was like. Well, there's no way he can really catch them. He doesn't look like he's going <laughs> that fast, but of course, that's one of those things where he's looking. He makes it look deceptively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was insane. So I'm glad that he's looking. How strong he was! Like he's in, in, in good shape. He's pretty strong. Um, the Eneco Tour, on the other, I mean, while the Vuelta Burgos was really interesting because of the Quintana Danny Moreno battle, the Eneco Tour, on the other side, is just like just super, super. All kinds of crazy things happened during that race. Uh, Tim yeah. Wellens won that for Lotto Bellisol, of course. Lars Baum uh, was second for Belkin. Tom Dumoulin was third. Uh, Andre Grifko was fourth. And Greg Van Avermaet was fifth. This race is really interesting. This whole, like, Flanders, Liege, Reston Liege, Amstel Gold. Yeah, uh, using all those little climbs, all those routes. Unbelievable that somebody... Had, I, this is the kind of thing that I'm like, why didn't somebody think of this before? Well, because before we didn't need it. But now it's amazing to get to hear all these names and, and see all these places like towards the end of the summer. is amazing. I loved it. Love it, love it, love it. So I'm going to start paying a lot more attention to the Anaco Tour. I mean, last year I did, but then the year before that, I don't think I really much cared, but... Anyway, did you end up seeing Stibar's crash? I know that... Oh, I don't want to see it. Oh, my God, dude. It was like... Uh, his bike really, 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 truly flew 10 feet up in the air. Oh, uh, yeah. I can't, I can't watch that. Did we talk about the crash last episode? No, it hadn't happened. I don't think it had happened. No, it hadn't happened, but... Um, There's no cyclocross for him. Oh, uh, I know, no, no. He's, he's fine. I mean, there was no fractures... He just lost a bunch of teeth and that's aye, it. Aye, aye. So he's basically, what happened to him is exactly what happened to me when I went over the bars, except he was going a little faster. A little? <laughs> yeah, I just, over the bars, just landed right in your mouth and I did break my jaw. He didn't. So he's a little luckier. And then in the post that I had on my website, on speedmetalcycling.com, what I said was that while recuperating from my injuries, from my OTB crash, um... I met my now wife, so maybe something really nice can happen to Stibar while he's recuperating. Oh, really? That was way back when. Yeah. Look yeah. at that. Our first Stibar date. Keep an eye out. Our first date. I still had like I couldn't even talk and stuff. I was like talking like that, and I was still like swollen and everything. I basically our first date. I had just gotten back to the house, gotten out of the hospital like maybe four days, 
So you're saying this could work out for Steve Barr in the long run? I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm guessing that Steve Barr is married right now. So well, but maybe it's something else happens. Like yeah, maybe something really nice. He gets a great deal on a used Ford F one fifty or something. For example, something like that. Something That's comparable. Something right? comparable to me finding the love of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, did you watch this? The, the the any of the stages though? Just the finishes. Did you see stage six? I don't know if you just watched the finish, if you saw Dyer Quintana. No. Oh, my God. He was riding like a champ for a while. He was like in the front group, and he was pulling and the whole thing. And it's not like he was working for anybody else. Everybody else was all like Lotto Bellisol and like Omega Pharma Quickstep people and stuff, and then like a random Movistar guy there. Well, you got to say, the guy's earning... You know, the respect that hopefully will give him more of the kind of races that suit him. Oh, absolutely. Like we talked about last time, him doing Paris-Roubaix and stuff is like ridiculous. He finished top 15 on, uh, on, on that stage. Nice. It was, it was uh, uh, stage six was, uh, I think stage six was the Tour of Flanders one? Or? No, the Liege-Bastogne-Liege one, I think. And so you didn't see Nikki Terpstra getting thrown out of the race? No, why did he get thrown out? Oh away? man, RG barging! Oh, he did RG bargy? Yeah, I think it was Louis Vestra, like trading punches, basically. Oh wait, uh, I saw a gif of something that looked like that. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's them like just fighting for position in the front of the group, up one of the climbs, and they're just like throwing elbows at each other and stuff. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. You know. There's two rules to life. Number one was outlined by Tom Hanks in the movie A League of Their Own, which is there's no crying in baseball. It's funny that you bring that up because I actually am saying that to my dog now all the time whenever we're out. He likes, I don't know, for some reason, when he sees that we're going back towards the house, he just wants to get to the house right away. So he starts like pulling a lot and crying. And I keep telling him, come on, dude, there's no crying in baseball. See, that's rule number one. Now, even he knows rule number two. There's no argy-bargy in cycling. There should not be argy-bargying in cycling. Come on, dude. You know that. Hey, if you can find uh, that GIF, send it to me. I want to put it in the in the show notes. Yeah, let me... Because, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. And I'm pretty sure that it was Louis Vestra. But he, he's... Uh, Terpstra has apologized and whatever. And I'm like, dude, you're like... I don't know. How old is Terpstra? 27? 28? Something like that. Like, man, you grow up. You people. If you're going to do something like that, then do it and don't apologize. That's what I mean by grow up. Don't apologize. But I wonder, like, was it something that had been predated? Like, it's someone that he had an issue with? I don't know. I, you know what? Actually, to tell you the truth, I did not. I just saw that he apologized. I didn't read the, the whole thing about why it had happened or anything. I, I mean, obviously, I knew that he got him thrown oh, out. Oh, sorry. What I thought was the uh, gif was actually a video of the RG Bargy. Well, play it. Maarten Wijnald, Terpstra zit daarachter, blaast wat, doet dan zijn eerste linker elleboog en kwak, gekwakt gewonnen. Maarten Wijnald's weg, maar waarom is dat? Waarom doet hij dat? Ik hoor een beetje een irritatie, omdat hij daar niet echt een volledige vrije baan kreeg. Nog geluk dat Wijnand zijn ex-mountainbiker is en sterk op de fiets zit. Want en hij laat is, zich niet wegdrummen. Dit is echt een belachelijke nee, zaak. Nee, hier komen sancties van, dit kan niet anders. de Terpstra. Ik zou er bijna iets anders achterna gooien. Nee, dat is waar. En dat zullen ze ons bij de ploeg niet kwalijk nemen, maar het is heel vaak... Wait, there was no punches. There was just argy-bargy. Yeah, that's what I said. You said they were trading punches. Well, I mean, they were throwing, they were trading blows. It was... I mean, proverbial punches. It's impressive. Good bike handling skills. 
I think that's why I don't. I mean, you know, my Dutch slash Flemish is not really what it should be, but I think I heard mountain biking. Ex mountain biker and something about the fietse, which is the bike. Yeah, so I'm guessing like good handling, bike handling. I guess so. from being a mountain biker. And didn't they say quack at the beginning? Yeah, like is that what they go like? That's the Flemish equivalent of like poof, pow, oh, pow, ping like, pong. Quack. Can you play that quack again? Just the very beginning. <laughs> well, I guess maybe these guys are Dutch. I don't know. <laughs> I think it says elbow and quack. I wonder what Renat. I wonder what Renat. It's a noun and the other one is a verb because it sounds like he said, oh, and quack. Oh, he quacked them. Because listen to that. I mean, this is, of course, using uh, English or uh, Spanish grammar and not knowing what's going but, on. But uh, German grammar would work like this as well. And Dutch yeah. is very close to German. So, all right. Check it out. You'll see. He quacked them in the head. He quacked them in the head. <laughs> quacked. Turned into a duck. That is so awesome. You know, that reminds me. I've seen... Um, it's very common. <clears throat> I'm sure this happens all over the world, but it's very popular for uh, cycling teams and uh, cycling academies in Colombia when they're little kids, 10 years or so, they practice bumping into each other and, you know, that kind of thing and how to stay on the bike if you get pushed around just for the sake of how to ride in the Peloton. And it looks pretty similar to that. The quacking is not that different in Colombia. Quack, quack, quack. Yes, Tom. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the Vuelta Colombia. I, I have a couple of things I want to I want to talk about with the Vuelta Colombia. We talked about last last episode that the Vuelta Colombia is going on right now, and we talked about how Oscar Sevilla should be kind of ashamed of riding with this guy. So Oscar Sevilla won this year's Vuelta Colombia. This is the second year in a row that he wins it. But to put things in context, I wanted to like talk about who finished in the podium, right? So Oscar Sevilla won it, the Spaniard. Yeah. Um, 37 years old. He was the white jersey winner in the tour. He was seventh in the tour. He was second in the Vuelta España. And then after Operación Puerto, he went to rock racing and then he won the Vuelta Chihuahua. So he basically went from like riding with was some of the best, not some of the best, the best riders in the world yeah. to winning the Vuelta Chihuahua. In 2001, when he, when he had that really good season and he won the white jersey, in the top 10, Jan Ulrich, Joseba Bolocki, Lance Armstrong, Andrei Kievilev, uh, Santiago Botero, Michael Bogard. So he was riding elbow to elbow with the best at the time. No, of he course. was quacking with the best. He was quacking with the best. At the same time, you know, we have to admit it's 2001. This is pre-Operacion Puerto. So make of those people what you will. But this guy was really at the top of the sport. And then he was winning the Vuelta Chihuahua. Now, if you look at all those people that I just talked about, Santiago Botero, Michael, Marco Serrano, Jan Ulrich, Armstrong, Beloki, all these people retired a long time ago. Oscar Sevilla is still racing, quote-unquote racing. Right. Well, I mean, but he's he doing it in Colombia. All right, so uh, the guy that finished second is Fernando Camargo. Right? Now, Camargo is 36 years old, and he's... The biggest part of his palmarès is that he's won five stages in, in the Vuelta Colombia since 2005. He became pro at age 31. 
All right, so this is the guy that Sevilla beat. Now, if I'm Oscar Sevilla, I'm like, yeah, I beat Fernando Camargo, a guy that became a pro after his 30s. And Julio Alexis Camacho, the guy that finished third in the podium, is 24 years old. He was in Team Colombia, but now he's not in Team Colombia anymore. He's back in a Colombian domestic team and has never won a race before. He won a stage this year of the Vuelta Colombia, and that's it. There's so much subtext there, but I mean, I'll just let people figure it out. Figure it out, exactly. So, Oscar Sevilla, congratulations, dude! You beat an old guy and a young kid that was in Team Colombia and whose biggest win of his career was winning a stage in this Vuelta. We said it before that would be like, let me see, who finished seventh in the in the tour last year? Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. Let's say it's. <clears throat> Lawrence Tendam. That'll be like Lawrence Tendam moving to Egypt and then winning the tour of Egypt. Awesome, well, Tendam. Colombia's not, not quite that remote, but yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Now, with the Vuelta Colombia, um, subtext aside, I think... Okay, the- moving to Turkey. There you go. Moving to Turkey. Yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah. And I mean, although Colombia's like a great superpower in the sport, still, the Vuelta... So one thing that the race is doing correctly is that they've made it shorter so that's good that's a step in the right direction i'm trying yeah, to see well, the good here because because well, they, they, because they used to ins- insanely long and every stage was a mountain stage and they they insisted on making it a three-week tour yeah so because they, oh, the tour de france is three sta- three weeks we should make it three weeks no, no, no. So it, would, it was two weeks. Now it's, I think, 10 days. So, so that's a step in the right direction. But, you know, um, uh, like I was trying to say, uh, really subtext aside, the make what you will of the uh, calculations that people make of uh, uh, power to weight ratio. I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to pretend to know how absolutely accurate these things can be, except that uh, it's worth noting that the second to last last stage was an uphill time trial. So, you know, things like race conditions and everything like that get somewhat equalized, as I understand it. And uh, probably later today or tomorrow, all those numbers are going to be calculated uh, are going to be published because they're being calculated and they were waiting on getting the accurate weights of riders. And this, uh, the people uh, doing this, it's an independent thing. It's not like the Federation or the World right, of Colombia right. or any of the teams. It's Ignacio Vélez, who was uh, the founder and general manager of Colombia's Pasión when Sergio Nao was there. He's a mathematician, so he loves this kind of thing. And they did the course on GPS, I think, two or three times with different GPS units to get the apps, the, per, the length. They did it by car. Like, they did it multiple ways, and they had two different independent, I think, people doing the timing aside from the official timing to try to, you know, get it as accurately as possible. Again, I think maybe other people will know how accurate these things can be. But even within a margin of error, what I was told today is that <laughs> – the numbers are beyond impressive. Let's just put it that way. So when it comes out, I'll probably be putting it on the blog, but it's uh, apparently there's there's some really, really impressive uh, numbers there. So what, basically what you're saying is 
that Saxo Tinkoff should be really considering going to Colombia to sign some of these talents? Is that what you're telling me? I I think on paper there are some <laughs> amazing amazing people. Some uh, like superhuman ones, maybe. Yeah, and some and th- and they happen to also be super old. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I would like to say the numbers don't lie, but I know people have a different take on the accuracy. But I think it being an uphill time trial kind of normalizes some of those issues, I would believe. So those numbers will be out maybe by the time this uh, podcast is out. So I'll send you the link or something so you can share it. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, basically, my reasoning for bringing this up and kind of pointing the finger at Oscar Sevilla and the Federation, the organizers and everything is that – we can. I want. I want to make sure that everybody that listens to this understands that while cycling in Colombia is amazing and there's a serious passion for it, and Colombia continues to produce amazing talent, like you know the Anao cousins and the Quintana brothers and Uran and Betancourt and the guys that came before them. This this the the, the sport itself in Colombia is absolutely corrupt, hideously dirty. And uh, it's 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 very it's very very sad, and 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 the federation and and their cronies, if you will, have kind of made uh, a little bed, and then they all gotten in there, and then they're all like covering each other with each other, and everybody's making money, but the team, but the, the but the the sport is not really developing the way that it should be. Yeah, no, and I mean, I think that there's, you know, there's, of course, people that are trying to do things the right way and are doing them the right way. So it's a matter of those people being allowed to to kind of grow. And I mean, I think that there's great, beautiful people that are trying to do amazing things, but there's also, like anywhere else, just, you know, people that are rotten to the core. It's just, I have to say, I, I watched the nighttime uh, uphill time trial Oh yeah, that's the other thing. That the, the time yeah. trial was at night. It started at like nine thirty yeah. Eastern Standard Time, which makes it uh, eight thirty time in Colombia, which is yeah. awesome. I, I felt like it was like uh, uh, Singapore F one Grand Prix at night. It's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, even horrible I for don't TV, know, but amazing for it was cool. There was definitely a party atmosphere. The local utilities company made these light tunnels. Uh, that were white and green light, which are the uh, lights of the state of Antioquia, and it, you know, it was. I think it was cool. It was. It was interesting. It was different. So some good things are happening, and yeah, I mean, I just watched and I was kind of heartbroken when I saw how well uh, Sevilla did, even though he didn't even come close to winning the time trial. But yeah, by the time you saw Rubiano go by, he was just. He looked rough. He was well, just. Yeah, I mean, in case people didn't know, but, uh, Miguel Angel Rubiano, who is the he was the, he's the current Colombian champion, riding for Team Colombia. He was he was wearing the leader's jersey coming into the time trial, and I think everybody kind of knew. I mean, I I heard a lot of like, well, that's this is when he's gonna have to give the jersey, but but to whom? I mean, who's gonna be strong enough to Oscar Sevilla, obviously? Yeah. And uh, Oscar Sevilla did not get the jersey. Then he got the jersey the next day. But. And, in a stage but, that he also shouldn't have done that well in, but whatever. So, you know, the way I kind of <clears throat> read the race is that Ruiano got the jersey and held on to it through craftiness and the kind of, uh, 
maybe expertise that comes with riding in Europe. Yeah, and then it, it was very strategic. Race. It was very strategic. He got he, the, Team Colombia basically got grabbed little time here and there in the neutral stages. Like uh, so, it was very a lot of strategy. The way they got the jersey, and then the the jersey was taken from them with very little strategy and just pure strength. Pure strength. Thank you very. Yeah. Much. Whatever. I mean, but yeah. So I, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you're into the numbers, that information will come out. Uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the España, the favorites. It seems that there is uh, a couple of different groups of favorites, and this is I've collected this from like Biciclismo had a list of the favorites and kind of like listed them in order of most likely to less likely, and then I went to another couple of other websites, and then I looked at some like, gambling things, like betting websites and stuff. Yeah. Um, also, oh, Omega, Ph Omega Pharma Quickstep released their, their nine, their, their, their riders that they're bringing to uh, support Rigoberto Duran, and Cavendish is not on the list. Interesting. Yeah, Tom Bonin, Gianluca Brambilla, Nicholas Mice, Tony Martin, Walt Powell's, Peter Seri, Uh, Martin Velitz and Carlos Verona. Mm. So yeah. Anyway, here's the here's the way that I kind of put the, the favorites. The the two main favorites, apparently, according to the, those who know, are Nairo Quintana and Christopher Froome. Then the second level down is Joaquin Rodriguez, Contador, Alejandro Valverde, who may be leaving Movistar. Stay tuned. I just heard some rumors. Christopher mm. Horner, Aru, and Uran. And then the next chunk after that would be like the third tier, Daniel Martin, Andrew Talansky, Wilco Kelderman, and Cadell Evans. Doesn't it seem like it's a slight rush to judgment? Maybe I'll have to eat my words here. But to put Aru in that category based on the Giro, I mean... I, I don't know. Everybody seems to be talking about it. I mean, he's obviously pretty good. But I mean, at the same time, they're putting Wilco Kelderman up there with Daniel Martin. Around, I mean, around the same thing. This is like the third tier, but there's a fourth tier. This oh. gets interesting. Okay, it's not really that interesting. But <laughs> Thibaut Pino, Vandenberg, Adam Yates, Sammy Sanchez, Betancourt, Niemiec, Warren Bargill, Danny Moreno, Ryder Heschedal, Igor Anton, Robert Gesink, Esteban Chavez, and Juliana Redondo. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like, I think Arredondo. Yeah, I mean, these guys are, I mean, Arredondo is 200 to 1. So it's Chavez. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> he'll be looking for stages. If Chavez wins a stage, I think he will just be over the moon happy. Was, that would be awesome. I think that Chavez has the potential to finish top 10 in the, if he plays smart. It, it, I think it depends on whether or not the team wants to actually try to put him up there in the GC or if the team just wants to get a stage. Uh, I think so, that he plays it smart and quiet. He can definitely finish in the top 10. If they're uh, going to start making too much noise, uh, you know, trying to get a, a stage win or something. Then so in the interview that I, that I did with him, he said the way that the team planned this whole first year for him was no pressure. His first really big race would be the Vuelta and that even then, It's whatever he can do. So that they've been very hands-off. And even for the Vuelta, it's, they're just wanting him to develop. I think they see him as a long-term investment. And they know that his injuries were so bad 
So I think he's going in relaxed, but I think also he's already won two mountain stages this year, so he'll probably be looking to do at least some of that. No, absolutely. And obviously, I mean, a lot of it has to do with how he's feeling, how the team is feeling as the, as the race goes on. But uh, I, I, I just hope that they don't try too much too hard at first and then he loses 20 minutes in the first week and then basically the only thing he has left to fight for is a stage and there is like we just went through this list there's plenty of people here that have talent and all of them can potentially win any of the stages that Esteban Chavez could win could be won by Arredondo, Gesink, Anton yeah. Heschedal, Moreno Kelderman, oh, Kalinski since he's not considered a big time threat, maybe he can go on a break, do something like that. But, um, you know, was it Mike Tyson? It was some boxer that said, everyone's got a plan till they get punched in the face. Something to that extent, right? So, I mean, it's like you have a plan and you're going to do this. And then the first mountain stage comes and you get punched in the face. And all those plans are kind of worthless. Okay, Klaus. Uh, I'm going to let you go here pretty soon. Cause we're coming up to the end of, uh, our half, and then I have to talk to Mike after this. But it's just like the Tonight Show. You, I'll, I'll move down into the couch. Into yeah, the please deck. move down. Yeah. Uh, don't even pretend you didn't think I was going to ask you this. Give me a podium for the Vuelta España, or like they say in Eurosport, for the Vuelta Tour of Spain. <laughs> That's like uh, uh, Taco Bell has these commercials for the carne asada steak. <laughs> Yep, or the queso cheese. Yeah, for English speakers, carne asada means steak. So it's a steak steak. Um, all right. Uh, holy crap, I can't believe Nairo Quintana could possibly win. But why not? Nairo Quintana, Froome, and Dan Martin. Okay. Klaus has Nairo Quintana. Froom and Dan Martin. What's yours? Uh, I don't know. I don't have one yet. Oh, come on. I'm going to reveal mine later on this episode when I talk to Mike. Oh, sure. After That's you what get, you get. I That's get. what you get, buddy. That's what you get. All right. So, uh, obviously, Klaus, um, this is okay, it. And you know what Mike's going to say, right? What? Chris Horner. Yeah, of course. Just because he thinks it's funny. And you know what? He's right. That is kind of funny. Sad, too, but funny. Very funny. Maybe maybe it'll be something like uh, Chris Horner, Oscar Sevilla. Oh, God. Wait, wait, wait. In your list, in your tiers, in your tier system, was Chris uh, Chris Horner even in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in what Horner. tier? I forget. Uh, Chris Horner was in the second tier with oh. Rodriguez, Contador, Valverde, Aru, and Uran. Yeah, that seems that seems about I, right. You have people like Quintana and Chris Froome. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I the whole Contador thing blew my mind. Last time we talked, he was actually. I remember saying, "No, he's not doing it. He's not. He's not riding the Vuelta. It's for sure." Now he's not riding the Vuelta. And then, like the next morning, was when he came out with that video. Yeah, and I, mean, I think the whole thing is a setup, and he's trying to make it look like. Oh, I'm so hurt, but I'm still going to do the Vuelta. Let's see what happens. And then he's going to come in, like, full force. I don't know. He hasn't been riding that much. And I mean, full force. I mean, his injury was brutal. I mean, it's possible that he's underplaying and he feels better than he's letting on. But good enough to win the Vuelta? I don't know. That's tough. 
Maybe him and Tinkoff thought of something crazy. Well, well, I don't know if something crazy having to do with the race, but yes, if, if Tinkoff was around for anything, it was crazy. Definitely. Okay, Klaus, well, thank you very much. Uh, I know that you are headed back to our home country to do some travelings and some beautifications and some picture taking and whatever. So, um, please tell my home country that I miss her and that I'll be there soon. Yes. And if anyone's at the Chequeo on Thursday, say hello. If you know what that is, you'll be there. All right. Klaus will be at the Chequeo on Thursday. And, uh, yeah, okay. Well, now I have to welcome Mike, I guess. Uh, take care, Klaus. Thank you very much, man. Hi, Mike. <laughs> Bye. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. You know, finally, you're going after Klaus. Finally. Finally. So, how are you doing, sir? Top step on the podium. Yeah. I'm great. No, you're supposed to say better than Klaus. Better than Klaus. He can't even... I feel bad. It's like he can't even reply. Exactly. He can't reply because he's a wuss. Hell yeah, man. That's awesome, dude. Congratulations. You're gone. Thank you. I, You've been I, waiting this whole time and now you're better than Klaus. <laughs> you're saying you're better than Klaus because you're... How you doing? You're doing better and also you're better because like you're better. You're a better person. That's awesome. I mean, I didn't want to say it, but yeah. Maybe exactly. we should make some better than Klaus t-shirts. Mm. <laughs> So we have, I mean, with Klaus, we discussed a little bit of the Vuelta Colombia, you know. Wait a second, was it in English? Oh, dude, you're going to have to wait and, and listen. <sighs> you are going to have to wait and listen. It's, um, let's just say I am not going to answer that question. <laughs> All right. Let's just say that nobody's listening to the podcast by now. <laughs> except for the one. So you guys sabotage me again. Uh, yeah, actually, you know what happened? It was, was so 40 minutes of heavy metal music, five minutes of Spanish, and then me. And right before you went on, I said, hey, everybody, in English, hey, everybody, we're sorry about this. You, you can stop listening now. <laughs> so, the hell with what we talked about with Klaus, it just, I just read that uh, finally Garmin and Cannondale are coming together. As one it's thing. a marriage. It's a marriage made in heaven. For everybody involved except for Cervello, of course. Except for Cervello and all the dudes that just lost their jobs. <laughs> so, which is terrible. Where do you think more people lost jobs? In the at, at Cannondale, right? I mean, I, yeah, I most so. of the Slipstream family will remain together, I'm guessing. And, but you know what's interesting? I thought about this. So Cervello went from nothing to having a pro-continental team, mm -hmm. to having a pro-tour team, to becoming a sponsor to becoming a supplier, to being the supplier for MTN Chewbacca. Yeah, kick to the curb. Yeah, that's weird. I was like the rise and fall of Cervelo bicycles. I mean, I know that they're still, the bikes themselves are still considered to be very good or whatever, I don't know, but honestly, I, my personal belief is that they're a little douchey, but um, who am I to say anything? Uh, yeah. But no, I thought it was really interesting, and I wonder if the name is going to be Cannondale Garmin, which is not... Too bad of a name. I just hope that the green somehow stays in there. I think that no, it's like, going to be called Team Cannondale. It is. Yep. 
Oh, I wonder if he's going to be Green Argyle. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. What if it's like like deep green, like a, like a moss green Argyle? What do you get if you mix green and blue? Brown. <laughs> yes. AG2R. That would be yeah. awesome. Hmm. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. See, stuff like this excites me very much. And it's not, and I feel bad, of course, that all those people lost their jobs. They we should design their kits. Yes, I'm going to get on that. I'm going to yeah. design their new kits. Absolutely. I have the Cannondale logo. I can do that. I have a copy of MS Paint if you need it. Ooh. Is it the latest one, though? That's all you need. Yeah, MS Paint 8. <laughs> Is it? Are they up to eight? No way. I, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, do you have freehand? That's what I have. Um, okay. I don't. So, the reason that this excites me is because of that, because there's going to be a new kit. I don't care yeah. so much about the politics of the whole thing. I feel nope. bad for the people that lost their jobs. It'll be an interesting team if they really are mixing teams, but it looks more like it's going to be Garmin with a new Cannondale sponsorship basically it doesn't really look like a lot of Cannondale people are coming but who knows Ivan Basso already jumped ship and Peter Sagan I'm pretty sure is going to yep. jump ship so I don't know who's going to be the only guy that I that I care about there is Cayetano Sarmiento the poor Colombian guy that is just a worker and never makes the, the headlines I wonder how he feels about the fact that like Nairo Quintana and Uran and all those guys are like making headlines in Colombia and he's just like some random dude at Cannondale that never does anything. <laughs> He's the invisible man. But they, they seem to like him. Well, anyway, whichever way, I'm excited. I think it's cool. And that opens up a spot that I'm guessing is going to be... I guess Team Alonso is not happening this year. And I don't know. Somebody's going to have to take that spot. So If we had done the paperwork in time, it could have been our team. Shoot, I tried, man. But uh, the UCI said no. The UCI said that... Uh, because of your past, uh, they wouldn't give the license to any team that had anything to do with you. So really? I didn't know exactly what they meant. I didn't want to. They basically sent you a cease and desist from working with me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe that's what they were talking about. It's like that guy's gotten too many cease and desists. He's no good for the UCI. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it could have been us, man. It Coulda, woulda, and shoulda. The speed metal cycling team, dude, that would be amazing. That'd be crazy. We would, you know, what we would do. Personally, this is what I would do. I would hire a bunch of hot girls in like high heels and tiny little skirts, and they would be the ones waiting for the guys when they cross the line. Because of course, our team would have like horrible riders. They would <laughs> never win anything, but they would still get kisses from cute girls. So basically, as they're crossing the line, the girls would come up to them with the little towels. Put the towels on their shoulders and then sit there like one on a side and like kiss them on the cheek before they even take their helmets off. That's genius because then you get you get the TV coverage because the Hello. cameras would stay. A cameraman. And even if they had to wait like 40 minutes for our guys to come in, they'd just stay. The photographer ratio men to women in professional cycling is probably like 80 to 20. So all the guys would be taking photos of uh, quote unquote speed metal babes. Oh my God. <laughs> that would be awesome, dude. But don't listen. I don't mean to sound sexist. I, I'm not a sexist man. Speed metal cycling women's team will have a hunky dudes. The speed metal hunks. <laughs> and they'll do the same thing with the ladies. They'll be wearing like just bike shorts a la Cipollini. 
with yeah. big oiled up. oiled up muscle dudes. And as soon as the ladies from the speed metal cycling team cross the line, the guys will go up there and like give them a kiss. Can they have like Chippendales bow ties? Uh, no, dude. No, that's too no, much. No, dude, that's tacky. Too far. That's tacky. Yeah, yeah. I ruined it. That's something all like Tinkoff would do. We don't want that. Hey, speaking of Tinkoff and things and people leaving, and Ivan Basso is going to to Tinkoff Saxo. Yeah. Why? Because he's going to be reunited with Reese. Don't you see it? Overcoming part two, Oleg Tinkoff Boogaloo. That's what yes. it is. They're just making the sequel. They saw. He's the- like, I gotta get back. I gotta get back on that secret sauce that I was getting before. Yeah. I think they saw that Dumb and Dumber is coming out with the second part, and they were like, dude, we got to get on this. So Reese picks up the phone, Ivan Baz is on the other, dude, let's do this. Uh-oh. Something else that a, lot of people, that a lot of people may not know is Carlos Sastre is going to join the team as a cook <laughs> for the second part of the movie. Jens Voigt, what do you think Voigt is retiring for? Because he's going to be one of the producers. Uh, yep. I feel, I'm afraid we have not seen the last of Jens Voigt. Oh, my goodness gracious, of course we haven't. Unfortunately, he's, I, I heard that he may be doing commentary in German TV. I'm just going to have to find illegal, like, yeah. of German races, because it is probably going to be hilarious. Hilarious. Um, I was going to say... Oh, yeah, yeah, and speaking of, of dudes crossing the line and getting kisses from girls... Did you see that guy in the in Colorado? I think two days ago. Was this first stage or the second stage? Uh, stage one. In stage one, uh, Sergey Tchekov from Jelly Belly. He got the most combative. Mm-hmm. And then when he went when he was on stage and the girls like leaned in to kiss him, he made this like yeah face, like yeah, like a rock and roll face. <laughs> Dude, it's the awesomest thing ever. Speedlittlecycling.com. You gotta go check it out. It is hilarious. So. Hats off to Mr. Sergei Chekov. Chetkov. Chetkov. Jelly Belly. Amazing. And Paulini resigned with Katusha. Perfect. Yes. So, I mean, what else, what else do you need? I, I, maybe, hopefully, another clown nose situation is going to happen. But anyway, let's talk about Colorado. You obviously probably been watching every, every stage, right, at the club? Uh, what I could see of it. Yesterday, there was, like, some satellite problem. There was not good footage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, because of the rain and stuff. And then it got neutralized and because then, of the rain. Yeah, too yeah, late. Yeah, yeah. Too little, too late. But now tell me something for the club. Is it better? Have you guys had better luck with people? Or, I mean, more people showing up for races that are, like, are like here in the U.S., therefore, on this time zone? So Yes. So a little bit. I mean, obviously, you can get there after work if you skip out of right. work a little early you can still make it as opposed yep. to having to skip work as the race starts at 8 exactly ah. and we and we watch it uh, we watch the Eurosport feed oh you do oh yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you know I, I tweeted when, when the whole thing first started I tweeted that I love the idea of Tooth Tracker it's amazing it's awesome but I just I can't pass the opportunity I cannot pass up the opportunity of Rob Hatch and Magnus Baxter exactly two of my favorites right there but anyway, yeah, let's talk about this, the, the, the stage that was neutralized. Um, I loved that when they stopped the race, you could actually hear 
the guys <laughs> arguing with the yeah. with the commissar and They're like this is bullshit. Yeah, T.J. Van Garner was like, "What the hell is this, man? We already went through the hard part, or whatever." <laughs> I think that I, I feel bad for the commissaries because it's one of those like damn if you do, damn if you don't. So, sure, they should have maybe have if they're going to neutralize the stage, they should have neutralized it, like basically on top of the climb before they did the descent, not halfway down the descent. I understand that, but you don't know what the situation is. Maybe the radios for the for the race officials were also out or something. I mean yep. we. Nobody has any idea because there was no cameras there. So it's 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 not nice to like. Everyone was getting struck by lightning at the same time. Yeah. So they basically everybody lost the last twenty minutes of their memory at the same time. When I went last year, I think you I got, got hit by, by a lightning. I think so. It felt like it. How do you like Colorado? That's uh, all right. Really, I like Colorado a lot. You like it? Yeah, man, I do. It's weird. I shouldn't. Is nature and hippies, but I like it. Yeah. Well, there's also a lot of rich people. I mean, there, I was in Vail and Aspen, and it was not lacking for any... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I've spent yeah. time in Vail before. Uh, I know people that have, like, a cabin up there or whatever. I'm not into skiing at all, but a lot of my friends are. And, and, and I mean, it's, it's fun, but I think that I consider Colorado... That's like, you know... Cause, thinking that Disneyland is, is Florida, you know? I think that Colorado, I think more of Denver and Boulder. And I like both of those places. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so they so in case it, people weren't watching or aren't aware, I don't know how many people in Europe watch this, the, the Tour of Colorado or whatever, the Pro Challenge, whatever. But basically... It got it got a little crazy with the rain. They neutralized the race, and there was a break. There was this kid on the break, Robin Carpenter, who's like a kid. He really is, like 23 or 24. No victories to his name, and they neutralized the race. The poor guy is distraught because he's like, this is it. I mean, it's raining. It's cold. They stopped me. And, uh, and then T.J. Van Garderen goes off, and they start screaming at everybody, and he's saying obscenities. And... Uh, the race restarts. They give this kid 45 seconds that he had before they neutralize the race. And he went on to win the stage. Unbelievable. First win ever in his career. And first win for the Hincapie Sportswear Developmental Team or whatever it's called. Amazing. I agree. But the whole didn't the whole race come back together after, they, after the neutralization? And the well, yeah. Car? Everybody came back together. But then... Look. They let the kid out in time yeah. for 45 seconds. I mean, it, 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 it's weird. I don't know. I, listen, if you're going to neutralize a race, I think that's the way to do it. Everybody stops. Don't do this thing with the Giro d'Italia where it's like, <laughs> yeah, you keep going, sort of. There's some red flags. We don't know. We're not sure. There's a tweet that it may not be. That was just – this at least – even if it was the wrong decision, it was a decision. They took it. They made it, and they stopped everybody. Yeah. I think that's better. I, I haven't seen yet – to see if what they did afterwards, though, was did they give everybody else the same time? Did they give everybody the same time? Because, I mean, maybe that would calm some of the yeah. some of the stuff. Like, listen, we're going to neutralize the times for the stage because he was so nuts. So it doesn't matter if you came 14 minutes after or whatever. This guy won the stage, but everybody gets the same time. Uh, I think that may, I don't know. Who's the guy that split the baby? Salmon, right? Are you Mine? talking about the Bible? Yeah. I don't know. I think it was was Solomon. 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 How do you pronounce his name? 
Solomon? Yeah. I think he's the one that was going to cut the baby in half. So, yeah, I thought that was an interesting race. And I think that the, the, the whatever, the Tour of Colorado, uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's a race that has stuff to, to look at. You know what I'm saying? Like, stuff happens. Stuff happens? What is it? What, what kind of endorsement is that? Stuff happens. <laughs> Maybe that, what is it called? America's Toughest Race or something? Yeah. No, nope, it should be the USA Pro Cycling Challenge. The only uh, downside to this race and the Utah race is that there's so much landscape that is the same that the race itself looks slow and or boring. Huh. Do you find that? I coupled with no spectators in certain areas. I don't. I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. We noticed that at the yeah, we were watching. We're like, they how look- fast are these guys going? Or not going. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is. They, they are in places that are pretty desolate. So, hmm. You got a w- really wide road, and it just sort of exaggerates the, the how, how fast they're going. makes it look like they're going slower. Huh, I didn't think about that. So what you're I saying... Ruined, I just ruined the race for you. Yeah, exactly. Now I know <laughs> how it ends. Spoiler alert. So, no, no, no. I think that maybe what Colorado and Utah should do is get some, like... Uh, inflatable balloons mm-hmm. like the Tour of Poland and then just randomly place them throughout the course so they, they look like little structures or they could put they could CGI in it, like some fans and like make the road narrower this is America I don't understand why they wouldn't be able to do that exactly last I checked this is the United States of America and we can do whatever we want here this is true we can make it happen have you seen uh, Guardians of the Galaxy I did I loved it loved it highly highly recommended I might see it again. Dude, my wife was... Yeah, exactly. Actually, my wife, who doesn't really like movies, doesn't like comic book movies, much less seeing movies twice, (laughs) she was like, I want to go see it again. That movie was really funny. The only other time I've gone to see a movie with her twice was when we saw her with... uh, What's his face? Uh, Joaquin. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to see that on a Friday and then again that Sunday. Wow. But Guardians of the Galaxy, I definitely want to see again. Yeah. And I know this has nothing to do with cycling, but who cares? I thought that uh, Dave Batista did a yep. great job. I mean, as I've, I photographed that guy before when he was a wrestler. And he has the personality of an iPhone case. And I just said that as I'm looking at my iPhone case. But, wow, he could, like, almost act. Well, I mean, well, the no, character they clever in the playing, gold they gave him. They gave him a really smart role where he was, you know, he was like the literal guy who didn't yeah, understand exactly. anything. That and was like genius. Super bland. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, I mean, it's perfect for him because I'm sure that's about the extent of his uh, acting abilities. But I highly <laughs> recommend Guardians of the Galaxy for everybody to go and, and, and definitely check it out. It was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Great soundtrack, too. I was, like, almost dancing in the theater most of the movie. <laughs> yep. All right, so Mike. Yeah. Vuelta España. Uh, I got the. Not familiar with it. Uh, is, is it in Spanish? Is the fourth is the fourth Grand Tour after the Tour of California? Oh right, that one. Yeah. Yeah. So and yeah, usually it is in Spanish. All right. So I'll, Klaus I'll gave try me. And follow it. Klaus gave me his his podium prediction. Oh, uh, let me know. What can you tell me? Uh, that's what I was gonna say, and then. But I can do what I did with Klaus, where we, I just kind of like, what I did is I broke down all the favorites based on a couple of, like, 
uh, betting sites, and then... I'm just going to tell you my pick, because they're ridiculous, so... Oh, boy. Well, Klaus said, you know what Mike is going to say? He's going to say, goddamn Chris Horner, because it's funny. Yep. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> not, not number one, not first place. Oh, really? Definitely you on think, the podium. You don't think he's going to, huh? I don't think he's going to win, but I think he's going to be top three. Okay, then do you want to hear Klaus's first? I do. Okay, Klaus says, Nairo Quintana, yeah. Christopher Froome, yeah. Dan Martin. Ooh. I said, you want mine? Yes, go ahead. Nairo Quintana. Quint Whoa. Chris Horner. <laughs> Chris Froome. Okay. How's that? Well, uh, very interesting. You know how hard it is for me not to pick all the dudes on Lamprey? There's Posatos in this race. Anacona. Cunego. I know. That would have been like... Serpa. Oh, it's a dream team. All in one place. Wow, you're right. <laughs> Lamprey has a dream team of awesome randomness. They should totally. have... Lamprey should have a reality TV show. Imagine that, dude. More. Imagine Chris Horner, Jose Serpa, and Damiano Cunego walk into a bar. I mean, that is TV gold. Damiano Cunego is like the size of a 12-year-old boy. Chris Horner is the size of a 12-year-old boy. And Jose Serpa has a big fat mustache. Yeah. And then people Posato is like outside photobombing everybody. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, that would be a The only thing I the only thing I was torn about is is where Iran places in all of this. Uh yeah, you know what's interesting? Just like I said, I mean, this is based on my research of uh of a whole bunch of different websites and stuff. Apparently, Nairo Quintana and Chris Froome are like the two top favorites. Everybody seems to be just between them. And then yeah. after that, Rodriguez, Contador, Valverde, Horner, Uran, and Aru are like in the second uh -huh. tier. I I don't know. I, it's weird. Then after that, then Martin, Talansky, Kelderman, and Evans are all like... And then after that, it's just like floodgates of randoms. But... uh Including like Heshadal and Danny Moreno and all those guys, Niemiec and those guys. But is this David Millar's last race? Yes, I don't think he's going to be in the podium. No, <laughs> <laughs> something tells me. No, 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 no. He's not going to be in the. And then there's Rodriguez too. He could, you know, you uh, never know what he's up to. You never know, but he. I'll tell you what he is in, not up to, but in. What? In my um, podium. Oh, yeah, what's your podium? My podium is Quintana. Yeah. Rodriguez. But you know the thing uh, is that, uh, yeah, Quintana, Rodriguez, and call me crazy, Alberto Contador. Yeah, I was going to go with Contador number three. I, I, who knows? Who knows how he's feeling? You know, exactly. But I think that it's going to be one of those things where he's going to be coming into form in the later part. But mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. I just, I kind of felt it. And Rodriguez I only picked because... You cannot go wrong with Rodriguez finishing second in a Grand Tour because he always does it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sure bet. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. None at all. <laughs> That's what he always does. So, yeah, you never know about his form. Contador, obviously, no idea. Quintana did really well in Burgos, so I think yep. that he's the favorite, but I just, I don't know. And the thing is that I think I think that Froome is gonna pop in the first week. Probably something's gonna happen. I don't know why. I have this feeling. Cr gut crash. Feeling. 
is going to be a crash or he's going to get like a stomach bug or the diarrhea or something. I, I don't know why. I just don't see Froome finishing this race. You think he's got the heebie-jeebies now? Yeah, and he seems that kind of guy that mentally he's not all there. He People are going to think I'm crazy, but I see a little bit of Wiggins in him when it comes to that. Uh. Like his mental capacity is not – or maybe just his tiny little voice and slight lisp. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what it is between me and him. I don't know. There's a thing there, but um, yeah, whatever. Um that is the Vuelta España. Now, Mike, important yeah. important questions for you. Number one, fantasy league for the Vuelta. Has it been set up yet? Uh, by the time you hear this. Oh, okay. okay. got to come up with a name for it. What's that? We need a name for the league. Ooh. Hmm. What was it that I said about Froom? Something in a baby voice and a slight lisp? <laughs> no, uh, make it something like... Uh, I don't know, dude. I'll figure something out. Yeah, come up with something funny. Um, so, speedmetalcycling.com if you want to check that out. Or gagedesoto.com and if you want to sign up. And there's a price, again, for the... For always. The, always a price. And I'll tell you what. Speed Metal Cycling Podcast will throw in a price as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, we're going now Klaus has out. to throw something in. I'm sure Klaus will throw something in, too. Especially because he's going to Colombia. Oh, right. He's going to bring back some of that crazy soap. So he'll have something. Oh, he already has a bunch of the soap. Oh, he already has that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's actually, yeah. That soap really is amazing, though. (laughs) Especially because, I mean, for me, like, you know how they say the sense of smell is the one that is closest attached to your Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. The smell of that, which just reminds me so much of being a kid. Yeah. So much. And just looking at it and stuff, I'd never, I hadn't seen it since. So, yeah, yeah. So. But more importantly, it wards off evil spirits. Well, yeah, it, it's actually Lucky Soap. Wash your kit with that and... Uh, yeah, totally. Lucky Soap, definitely. Uh, okay, so that'll be, that'll be done, the Vuelta, and you're going to get three prizes, one from each of the guys here. And uh, I had another question. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about what's going on on Friday at the, at the Rafa Cycle Club in New York City. Oh, yeah, so uh, Friday we're premiering... I guess that's the right word. The Richard Sachs House Industries Cyclocross team, team and bikes. Uh, The bikes, I've seen a few pictures of the bikes. They look amazing. There's one in the store right now. But they will be in, Friday is the 21st, 22nd. Uh, And it'll be in, and this stuff will be in the store for a month. So if you're anywhere near New York in the next month, starting Friday. Are they presenting all the riders as well? I don't think they're going to... I mean, they'll be there. I don't know if they're going to present them or they'll just... Are they going to stay there for the whole month? The riders, yeah, they'll be in the window. They'll be sitting there. Like human mannequins. And Richard Sachs will be there as well for the whole month? Yeah, and Joe Bell, his his master painter, will be there on Friday night. Oh, it's a Friday uh, night. But Richard Sachs is going to be there serving coffee all month. He'll be there. (laughs) Yeah. He'll be be your barista for the whole month. That's That's awesome. That's a good idea, actually. Have you met Richard Sachs before? I have. Is he a nice guy? He is a super nice guy. Yeah, he seems like he would be. Yeah. So he's so into supporting the uh, the cycling, the culture of it. Like he's so into the everything that. I mean, he's a huge fan of racing. Obviously, yeah. as a team. Yeah. But he just knows that the the glue that holds this thing together is not money, 
or marketing. It's like the good times. It's like the fun. It's the the stuff. Uh, so, you know, Mike, I didn't want to interrupt you because when you get going, if I interrupt you, then you stop talking and then you forget. We forget what you were saying. But you sounded like a grandpa because you said Richard Sachs loves the cycling. <laughs> Did I say the cycling? Yes. <laughs> I, you probably thought about something else like, hey, Mike, was this your mom when you were young? Mike, Mike, yeah. are you on the pot? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Uh, Richard Sachs, yeah. Well, his relationship with House Industries, I don't know exactly how it happened, but if people don't know, House Industries is um, a type foundry. It's a type foundry in a graphic design studio in, in Delaware that I became aware of when I was going to school way back in the day for design. And these guys were producing at the time revolutionary typefaces. I mean, they were amazing. And still to this day, a big chunk of my font collection is from uh, House Industries. Those guys are, are amazing and unbelievable. And somehow they ended up hooking up with Richard Sachs and creating... An amazing team. Their kits are ridiculous. Their kits are so nice. Or the ones from last year. I don't know about this year, but amazing. And uh, so w w they're they're revealing the kit and the bikes, and the guys are gonna be there, and it's gonna be like a soiree. It's gonna be a party. Yep. Oh man, this Friday, huh? Yep. I don't think I can make it. I'll take pictures. Man, the ball and chain. Yeah, and by ball and chain, I mean my new dog. <laughs> ah, right. Because you're not allowed to have dogs at the Rafa Cycle Club. This is true. Last time I was there, I became like the the de facto uh, dog keeper outside. Dog sitter? Yeah, dog sitter outside. People just hand me their dogs as they went in. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But anyway, so we have uh, Vuelta España starting this weekend. Um, really exciting. We'll have uh, a podcast at some point during the Vuelta. We'll discuss the end of Colorado. And uh, hopefully by then Klaus will be back and can tell us some stories about soap. Can't wait. When's he, gonna, when's he coming back? I Honestly, I have no idea. He might not come back. No, I think he will because I think he's going with his wife. So I think he'll, come, right. he'll, he'll be forced back. My, my mother is going to be there at the same time that he is. Which should be fun. Every time, if you want to go to Colombia, Mike, yeah. any of the listeners, if you want to go to Colombia, let me know. We'll arrange it so that my mom is there at the time and you will have the time of your life because she knows everybody. My mom knows that guy. And if she doesn't know that guy, she knows somebody who knows him. Seriously. So you can get anywhere to do anything. It's unbelievable. Nice. Traveling with my mom into Colombia is amazing. So. I'm sure Klaus is going to come back with plenty of awesome, awesome, awesome stories. All right, Mike, I, I think that's it. Um, unless you have anything else to say. That's it. Uh, Can you say, fix it in post so that it sounds like Klaus and I were on together? Uh, I thought about that, actually. I thought about, like, hey, guys, so what do you think about the Colorado race? And then you would say something, and then I would splice Klaus and stuff. And then I was, afterwards, I was like, I'm sure I can do it. I'm sure it would be hilarious and obvious that it, they weren't. But... It would take too long. Oh, God, yeah, the hell with it. I have more important things to do. <laughs> I have way more important things to do. And, all right, so that's it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Mike, for joining us. We'll be back during the Vuelta España. And don't forget, send me those photos with of you guys, the, the Speedrun Cycling kits in action, even if it's the old jersey. And, oh, the old jersey, the black and orange jersey. There is one left, right, Mike? Yeah. There's one left. There might be more. There might be two. 
There's at least one. At least one left. GageDeSoto.com. Purchase them, suckers. SpimetoCycling.com. We're out of here. Peace. To dance an eerste linker elleboog and quack. For you to tell the truth most dire There lurks a traitor in our midst Who has invoked the captain's ire Don't deserve no mercy We are twisted him with a gun But I